Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, I want to welcome you to Portico. My name is Rick. I'm the campus pastor here. And like Colin said, we are really glad that you've chosen to join us on on Easter. And you are foregoing chocolate, so good on you. I know there is chocolate at home and you're at church. So you're either messed up or just really you have good like willpower or something. So thank you. Thank you for being here. And uh, the course of our morning, we are going to spend some time discussing the thought whether... Um, whether this is a belief or whether this is a fable, and we're going to discuss the importance that it has for our lives. And if you are in the, if you are in grade five, six, or seven, or eight, I'm going to ask if you want to go to our junior high, uh, we go to our small group. You guys can head out now if you'd like. And Esther's back there, and you can head on over to that. Or if you want to, if you want to stay with us, you're more than welcome to stay with us as as well. So there is nothing that has been debated in the course of history. Rather than this fact, did Jesus live, die? Was he God's son? Did he come back to life as a risen savior, as the hope of the world? Or is it just a story that is told? Nothing has been debated that much, right? Well, I would say this maybe was debated a little bit more. Do you remember this last year? Michael, go ahead. Yeah, was that blue or is that? Maybe, maybe that. Blue or blue and black or white and gold? What is that? White and gold. I honestly, who says white and gold? Hands up. I don't even know what you're looking at. I literally cannot, I, I'm wearing blue here just a minute this morning. We're going to do a little experiment. The, the blue, right? You guys are nuts. It's blue and black. Anyway, <laughs> nothing, has been, nothing has been debated as much as that. But the second most thing that has been debated is Jesus, okay? So, and some of, some of you, okay, maybe that's backwards. But some of you are here this morning because you're curious about faith. You're just checking out faith. You're not quite sure and, and, and understanding what this message is. Some of you are here because your family dragged you out. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. How many are here because your family pulled you here? Some of you are here because you're committed, convinced followers of Jesus. But regardless of the reason that you ended up in a church service this morning, I want you to consider, would you open your minds for the next 30 minutes and be open to a conversation about who Jesus is and about faith on this Easter Sunday? We're in the midst of a series called uh, Redemption Road, and we're walking a journey of faith to see if that story lands us at the feet of Jesus. And this morning, our small groups pastor is uh, Pastor Arnold. He's going to come out, and he's going to read our he's going to read our key text, which is found in Luke. I'm just make sure that guy's on there. You're going to he turn to Luke chapter 24, and he's going to read our key text this morning. Right. On the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from, pre- from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, 
Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and all rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but did not find his body. They came up and told us that they have seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Thanks, Pastor Arnold. Well, if you have your, either your bulletin and you're going to take notes or you can open up your app, we're going to have three points this morning that we're going to walk you through this morning on this text of whether the road to Emmaus brings us to a story of redemption. And the first thought is, is just this, we've already talked about it, that the resurrection of Jesus is hotly debated everywhere. In 1996, Time Magazine released... Who was born... Not 96, 1966. Who was born in 1966? Anyone want to admit that? All right, Armin. Armin's admitting that. Yeah, we have a few honest people. Who was not born in 1966? So we've tipped the scales. Okay, good. I was negative 13 in 1966. In, in 1966, the Time Magazine released this article, and it was rated by... In 2008, LA Times did a study, and they ranked this article as one of the top 10 most discussed, controversial, impactful articles that was ever released, and this is what the cover looked like. It, just, it was during the Easter season. They put it out across the world. Is God dead? Shocker of a cover that got people debating hotly. And as we looked at last week, if you were with us in our services, we know that every human being has to wrestle with this thought and with this story of how did the world begin? Is God involved in the world? Is he involved in, in my life? And if you've ever took sociology, whether it was high school or post-secondary, you know that at every key moment of your life, you will face this thought again and you will face this battle. 
young adults, we have a lot of young adults in our services, you're just, you're just beginning to make decisions that will chart the course of your life. Where are you going to live? What is your job going to be? What kind of choices are you going to make for you as an individual? And if you grew up in church, you are now wrestling with that fact. Do, do I actually believe this stuff or did I just go here because my parents went here and it was part of my culture, it's part of who... I am as I was a kid, but now I'm an an adult. Maybe God isn't really supposed to be part of my story. So you're wrestling with this, and it's natural for you to do that. The next phase of life we see after you get into young adulthood, then you start to have children. Some uh, along the way in the next 20 years, you 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 begin to have kids, and you start to go, how am I going to raise my kids? Am I going to raise them with the ideals and the fundamentals that God is alive, that, that Jesus was God's son, and he wants to be in their story? Or maybe you're like, you know what? I want my kids to decide for themselves. I don't want to force anything on my kids. So you wrestle with this battle again. Is God dead or is God in my life? Then you get to midlife, and a lot of people around, around midlife, and some, of, some people who raised their hand and said, yeah, I was alive in 1966, you, you wrestle with this, and you go, you know what, I'm moving into my last phase of life. Did I do it right? Have I understood things the way they were supposed to be, or do I need to make a shift? And people will wrestle with the concept of God very naturally in midlife again. And then, of course, at the end of life, we know that as people get to the end of life, they ask that question, why was I here do I know where I'm going? Do I have all these answers? And, and, and this battle will go on through all the course of our lives. And so when Time Magazine releases an article like this and a cover like this, it makes people wrestle down this question. And you debate it with yourself and you debate it with others. Who is God and is he involved in my life? And the funny thing about an article that is released like this is that it's such a, it's such a far uh, off to the side concept because we know that 85, we we talked about this last week, 85% of the world has some kind of identifiable faith saying, I believe that God exists and I believe that God is in our our lives. 97% of Time Magazine readers said, I have faith and I believe in some form of God. So when they release an article that says, is God dead? They're totally alienating their readers. But it was an individual who knew, if I put these words in front of people's faces, it will sell magazines. Because people want to know, is truth out there? A few years ago, two, two years ago, in fact, they did an updated cover and they changed it to this. Is truth dead? <laughs> and if, you, if you've seen this article, it didn't get quite as many reads, but this article was actually a lot about Donald Trump putting out fake news and as he's releasing bogus stats. They were basically asking, if the country cannot trust what its leaders saying, is there even truth anymore? But the concept of can we believe in God and can we believe in truth gets everyone engaged and everyone talking. And as Arnold just read that story for us, this is what was happening. There were two people who would have called themselves followers of Jesus. They were in Jerusalem for the Passover celebration, just like they would have done every year of their lives. But this year, it was a little different because Jesus, Jesus was with them and they got there and he was arrested and then he was executed. And now they're leaving Jerusalem before Passover is even done. So we can read into the story that they might have been afraid for their lives because they would have been associated with Jesus. And they thought if they killed him, they're definitely going to kill us. So we got to get out of here. And so somebody comes along the road beside them and says, 
why do you guys look so down? And they start saying, haven't you heard all this stuff? And they start debating it with this guy as they're getting out of town because it's a concept that people want to talk about. And we see this in verse 14. They were talking about everything that had happened. And so we're glad that you found your way into church this morning, regardless of what brings you here. And I want to bring us back to that thought that we heard in that opening video from C.S. Lewis. Let's put it on screen, Michael. Is that Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing that it cannot be is moderately important. I just want you to think on that for a moment. Some of us are here, and we've decided that it's of no importance. And if it's of no importance, then you have no reason to be here this morning. You should be home, you should be eating chocolate, you should be sleeping in, it's going to be a nice day. You shouldn't be here just for the ceremony of it all. There, there is no value in, in, in having a ceremony for Jesus if he was just the person that lived thousands of years ago and did some good things. Absolutely no importance. But if it, if it is real then it's the only thing that can have importance in your life. And, and there's a whole group of us that I think fall into the middle where we're here and we're like, you know, Jesus in this story has moderate importance in my life. As I live my life day by day, as I think about where am I going to work or, or how am I doing at my job or how am I doing as a parent or how am I doing as a neighbor, he has moderate importance in our life. But, but that's the truth of the story we think about and we, we sing about and we read about this morning. It's that it's only one of two things. He's absolutely not important at all, or he should be an all-consuming thought in our lives. And the only reason we live and breathe and do life is because of Jesus. And as we walk through this road to redemption, and we study the conversation that these individuals were having on the road to Emmaus, it should be normal for us to debate it but it should force us to come to a place, which leads us to uh, a place of, of uh, decision, which brings us to our second thought, is that the, the story of the resurrection is deeply personal. And what is truly amazing about this story is that although I believe that the story of Jesus has value for everyone, I also believe that he individually relates to each one of us on a personal way. Our faith is not rooted in a religion. Our faith is rooted in relationship, which is why this has to become deeply personal. Christianity is a relationship between one human and one God. It's it's not a religion that we follow. This is personal one-on-one relationship. And we have commonality in that we all have this relationship, but it's individuality because God relates to us one-on-one. And a proper understanding of the Bible leads me to see that that God is actually walking with each human being regardless if he or she recognizes it. And again, this is what was happening on the road to Emmaus that day. In verses 15 and 16, we see, as they talked and they discussed these things, Jesus himself came up, walked along them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So the big question for you this morning, if you're here and wondering where you fit in this story is, what kept them from recognizing Jesus was in their story? They were followers of Jesus. They were, they were curious. They were debating about him. But they were kept from recognizing him. And if I have a proper understanding of the scriptures, I will see that, that God doesn't prevent himself from being understood. God wants everyone to come to a relationship with him. But the, so there was something that clouded their eyes and clouded their understanding 
about how God was to show up, and and they couldn't recognize that God himself was walking beside them, engaging in conversation. We've just participated in a worship service, and there were some people who I would say in this room, you literally heard God speak to you. Would would, Would anyone this morning say, yeah, I felt God and I heard God in that worship service? Would anyone be as bold? Yeah. I would put my hand up. I say there was during, during one of the songs, I heard God speaking to me and saying, this is what I want to highlight to you, Rick. As you, as you get into this time of worship, the Holy Spirit began laying something on my heart. And there would be others in this room, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, but what you just participated in was a ceremony. You're like, man, that dude with the hat can really bounce around and sing, can he? <laughs> You participating in an assembly with music and speaking, and you're participating in a religious service, and which has no eternal value, just current, present value. And the crazy thing is that a person's experiences and a person's perspectives have the power to either allow us or prevent us from seeing God right in our story. That's how crazy that is, that the, the God who created the world who wants to have a personal relationship with you is here. But some of us, because of what we expect or what we bring into this, miss him, even though he's right here. When I turn on the Raptors game this evening, yeah, all right, right, yeah, we're going to turn the Raptors game this evening. Those of you who clapped are going to know what I feel this morning. You are going to feel the pain of first round losses years ago. You are going to feel the pain of LeBron every year beating us down. Time up. Amanda and I were at game one last year when LeBron was there. They were up by like 30 points and then they couldn't hit a stinking layup with six seconds left. They had two chances and in overtime and they blew it and they lost. We are going to feel that pain when we turn it on. And we're going to say, just beat the stinking magic. They're not good. They're, they're more, there's more people there concerned with Disneyland than concerned with basketball. Just beat the magic. You traded away the only player that ever loved Toronto. Damar is gone. And you traded away Valanchunas, who has been journeying with us for years. And, and you're, you've sold it all for Kawhi and, and, and Danny. And this is the year. You have to win. Can you feel my pain? <laughs> you have to. And some of you will not turn on the basketball game. <laughs> and you will go, I have no idea what those names just were, and I have no idea what that was. You know, you know why? Your experiences with the Raptors are different than my experiences with the Raptors. Your investment into understanding the nuances of what's happening this year with a basketball team is, is so different than what's ha- my understanding because I really understand the millions of dollars and the years of, of investment that have led up to really these two months that the Raptors need to win because next year it ain't happening. Next year it's Malcolm Mitchell and, and a whole bunch of people. <laughs> and me, maybe. <laughs> when you take the time to understand the story you might actually see something that you would never understand unless you took the time on this story. And some of you are here this morning and you've never taken the time to say, to really understand who was Jesus? Does he want to be involved in my life? And so you can sit in a service where he is actually speaking and miss it because you haven't taken, put the investment in.
and he's either become not important or moderately important in your life. You may be here because it's just tradition and typically you put in your one hour and you come and you celebrate and so your expectation of what should happen here is preventing you from hearing God. Some of you feel like, you know, it's my life that isn't good enough. I don't, I'm not good enough to be around God, so I could never hear God because he would never come close to me. It's your understanding of who you are that prevents you from hearing God. Some of you just feel let down by God, that I prayed about something and it never happened, so don't talk to me about a God who loves me and wants to do things for me because you don't know how God let me down. So it's your understanding of experience that prevents you from hearing God. And some people are just all confused because how could Jesus, a human, be God and three in one and you're talking God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. That doesn't really make sense. But a relationship with God is so deeply personal that the perspectives and the mindsets that we bring will prevent us from seeing him. And Jesus shows up on this road to Emmaus and he joins into the discussions because that's who Jesus is. He joins our life and he walks with us even when we don't recognize him. And when we're in the midst of going through a crisis in our lives and we're debating whether God is dead or we're debating what's the meaning of life or we're debating if God is present, his spirit speaks to us through our hearts and through the word. And so, and so Jesus had to up, up, up the ante in this conversation because he's talking with them and these two don't even figure it out. And it's a nearly 12-kilometer walk from Jerusalem where they were to going to Emmaus. So then he goes, okay, if you guys can't get it, I'm going to be really blunt and I'm going to show you. So he sits down and he says, give me the bread. No, just give me the bread. <laughs> he breaks it and he blesses it. And then their eyes, are, they go, oh, now I see it. He showed up in a way that was familiar to them. And that's how good of a God we serve. God will meet you in ways that are, f- that are familiar to you. And God is looking to meet with people. And he will actually take measures to make sure that he does it in a way that makes sense to us. And to the rational person here in the room, I don't know if you know Myers-Briggs personalities, but if you're, anybody know Myers-Briggs, ENFP, all that stuff? If you are, if you are an ST, if you are someone that uses your senses and you are someone that uses your thought, that, that's the way you take in information, God will show up to you in a rational way and you can hear a guy like Nikki Gumbel or Billy Graham and, and say, all of the, the fathers of modern history have studied it and the fathers of, of science studied it and said, we can see that it's a provable fact and if you're an NF like me, you use your intuition and your feelings. We're the, high, we're the flighty people. He will show up in, in our spirits and he will speak to our hearts. But if you showed up here and you were already convinced that God is mad at you or that this is just part of an Easter celebration routine that, that you do, then you will miss him. I will guarantee it. But the story of Jesus and the road to redemption that we're walking on demands a response from you, which is our third thought. It's debated, it's personal, but it demands a response. And as we were prepping for this message, Portico's one church, one message, many expressions, and what that means is that all over our campuses, the same message is being preached. It just sounds a little bit different. I'm not so sure Pastor Doug's talking about the Raptors this morning, but, uh, we, <laughs> but we're all talking about how it's hotly debated and how it's deeply personal, it demands a response. He th- uh, dug throughout this concept and he says, it's like a watershed moment. Now, in, in our context, we have myself, we have Daniel, who's a little bit younger than I am, we have 
uh, Pastor Josh, who is in between Daniel and I, and, and Doug, and we're all prepping this message together. And he says, it's a watershed moment. And we all kind of look at him like, yeah, like a big moment. He's like, no, like a watershed moment. And all of us look at him and said, we have no idea what the actual definition of watershed moment is. Did anybody know what the actual definition of what a watershed is? Anyone? See, I'm doing a survey here. Good. I'm going to report back to him that nobody does. Okay, good. So <laughs> but a watershed is this. It's the way that a water will run down a landscape. And there will be a breaking point at some point where the water will not run fluid anymore. It will go one of two ways. And a great way to illustrate it is like water hitting the roof of an A-frame house. It has to fall on one side or the other. There is, water doesn't just land in the middle and just stay there. It's going to go down one side or the other. And that's what a watershed moment means, is it's a splitting. And the message of Jesus is a watershed moment. The, the, the story of the resurrection is a watershed moment in history. You cannot just sit on the top of the roof. You have to go one way or the other. So the question we pose to you is, what will you do with the story of Jesus? It has extreme importance and nothing else should matter, or it has no importance, and we thank you for being here. I hope the coffee's well. It's a personal decision, because my journey cannot be your journey. You have to walk with Jesus and hear him speak into your life. I want to take you into the thoughts of one of the leading researchers on the Human Genome Project. His name is Francis Collins. And this clip comes from our Alpha series. And if you're on this journey with us and you have questions about faith and you really want to get into a group that will debate for six or seven, or I guess it's about a 10-week series that watches videos like this and debates how God shows up in our lives and who was Jesus, why did he have to die, all those stories, they, they, they show clips like this. I want to show you this clip of how the leader of the Human Genome Project had to wrestle with this watershed moment of the resurrection. Well, in the home where I grew up, uh, faith was not something that was talked about very much. Uh, my father was a professor of drama, my mother a playwright. Uh, when I went to college and those discussions in the dorm late at night about religion uh, began to occur, I had no particular reason to attach value uh, to a faith system. It had never been something I was familiar with or had internalized at all. And I assumed that any religious feelings that anyone held must be on the basis of some emotional experience, and I didn't trust those, or on the basis of some childhood indoctrination, uh, which I felt I was fortunate to have missed. I loved the experience of learning about the human body and all of the components of that, and I particularly loved being introduced to genetics. But then I ended up in the medical school curriculum sitting at the bedside of patients with diseases. This was no longer an abstract study of molecules and organ systems. These were real people. And one afternoon, one of my patients, a wonderful elderly woman, much like a grandmother, uh, who had very bad heart disease. Uh, she had a particularly bad episode of chest pain uh, while I was with her. She got through it, and at the end of that, explained to me how her faith was the thing that helped her in that situation. She realized that the doctors around her weren't really giving her that much help, but her faith was. And after she finished her own very personal description uh, of that faith, she turned to me, and I had been silent, and she looked at me quizzically, and she said, What do you believe, doctor? The resurrection of Jesus has no room for ambivalence, non-committal, or indifference. And we all need to choose here this morning. Mm-hmm.
what will you and I do with this story? In the passage that Arnold read, we're going to skip ahead to verse 34. And he said, we're not our hearts burning with us while he talked with us on the road. Verse 33, sorry, we'll get. They got up and returned to Jerusalem at once. And there they found the 11 with those with them assembled together saying, it is true, the Lord is risen. These two decided it's true. And we're going to go back to Jerusalem where our lives were threatened, where we knew that there were a lot of angry people, but it doesn't matter because it's true. They fell on the side of it's going to have extreme importance. I asked you at the beginning of my talk this morning, would you be open to reconsidering your understanding of who Jesus was? These two were convinced that God was dead. They left Jerusalem days after Jesus had died. The Passover festival was going to go on for seven more days. They were convinced that God was dead and they were going somewhere else. When they were open to hearing the voice of Jesus, when they saw him break that bread, they said, no, there's something real there. Everything about how we are live is going to change from that day on. They spoke to the 11, those are the other 11 disciples. And they started the first church. They became followers of the way that would eventually be known as Christians. And all over the world, there are now millions of people who believe in that story because two individuals said, I'm going to live my life with that truth as the most important thing, regardless of where it takes me or what it costs me. Some of you will make a choice here this morning. And you've wavered on it, but but the story of Jesus has not been the most important thing. And you're going to make a choice that will not only have consequence and not only bring not only bring um, results in your life but in the results of life of your family and your neighbors and your co-workers you'll become followers of Jesus followers of the way everything about your life will take on this new importance and there will be people whose futures will be changed and in fact our eternities will be changed we understand that our, our eternities will be in a perfect place called heaven because we fall on the side that says I will be a follower of Jesus And the disciples went into Jerusalem. They went into Western Asia and Eastern Europe. And here's what they taught. Acts 4 and 12. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And the entire reason we've got together this morning is so that people would hear this message that Jesus came as the Son of God, that Jesus stepped in place where you and I, our lives don't measure up with God. We're not perfect. But he said, I'll take the place of your imperfection, so just believe in me, and then you can have perfect relationship with him. So is God dead? Is truth dead? No. I I believe that God is alive, and that truth is alive. And there was a hope for our world. And it's present in our room today, and it's alive in the lives of believers here today. And I want to offer you the same chance to make a similar decision and go on a journey with us that leads to redemption. Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page, and you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 10.10 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC.